Well, we'll be in Genesis 1, hitting a few other passages, but we'll read the chapter, Genesis chapter 1. And just a little backstory. So we have Maple Creek today, and I've been doing this occasional study, which I called Back to the Basics. And I'm using our Confession of Faith of 1689, which is a great summary of what we believe. And I've come to the chapter on creation. So that's what we get to study this morning and then pray for Maple Creek this afternoon. We'll have some reflections on Genesis 1, just hitting a few points, not an in-depth exposition, which is what Tom did just a few years ago. We'll mention that at a few points. And um, if you note uh, our confession, the 1689, this is actually chapter 4 because to believe in the God of creation It really must be at the beginning of what we believe or the beginning of our confession of faith. It's only, I think, four paragraphs there, but it's a critical doctrine. If we fail in Genesis 1, we're in big trouble, really, for the rest of the Bible. And many doctrines flow forth from Genesis chapter 1. Obviously, the Creator has been under assault by the devil and sin, if you will, from the beginning. And today is no exception. Uh, Many, even those that profess the name of Christ, would deny fundamentals from Genesis 1, which are very clear. And of course, our society has rejected God as it always has. The world has rejected God and rejected the truth of God. But let us embrace the truth, and more importantly, let us embrace the Creator and worship Him and delight in Him And that's the goal that uh, a little bit more today, uh, as we study this passage, that we would adore the Creator. So Genesis 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, And let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, 
plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply And fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life. I have given every green plant for you and it was so. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
We'll have ten reflections hitting some key points from Genesis 1. And the first is this, that Genesis 1-1 obviously is very important. It is critical. And the Bible does not start by giving a debate, a discussion, uh, even a polemic. It states, from the very first words, in the beginning, God. This is what we call presuppositionalism. The Bible doesn't say, listen, we're going to defend that this is how it worked. It's not a scientific textbook. There's a presupposition that God was on his throne and he created the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's profound. We must receive the truth of God We must receive Genesis 1-1 and stand upon it. It's glorious. And we could probably do a study that every book in the Bible affirms God as creator. Obviously, Jesus and the apostles referred again and again. And even in the book of Revelation, we hear much and we see much about God as the creator. And even the new heaven and the new earth, which we looked at at camp last year. You can also compare John 1.1 or even Hebrews 1.1 with these parallels about God and his character. And in a few words, we have much. But as we mentioned at the beginning, the doctrine of creation continues to be under assault. In sin, men do not want to submit to their creator. They would love to believe in anything else except that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All sorts of theories and ideas have been brought forward, but the Bible is clear. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we adore Him and we praise Him for that. Second, creation was the work of the triune God. Creation was the work of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see this, when you when you read in the Bible, God, the majority of the time we can interpret that as God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is one. But particularly in creation, we can see that all three persons of the Godhead were involved and are involved in maintaining it. In verse 2, We read those amazing words that the Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the surface of the earth. The Spirit of God was at work, taking, if you will, chaos and making it cosmos. He he worked to create from this formless darkness something amazing. The world we live in. Even after the fall, it's still amazing. And then we read in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And there's a lot to be chewed upon there, but at least it seems plain that this refers to our triune God. And we mentioned John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was at the beginning with God. And then those powerful words, all things came into being through him. 
And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. All things came into being through Jesus Christ, God the Son. So we see, we notice the Spirit of God working in creation. We notice the Son of God working in creation. And I tried to come up with some verses. Maybe you have some you can share with me afterwards. But the Father, James 1 has this reference to the Father of lights. The Father of lights. And we read uh, in verse 14, let there be lights. So it's a passing reference, maybe anecdotal if you will. But God the Father is indeed the Father of lights, active in creation as well. We see from the beginning our triune God at work, needing the New Testament to have the full picture of what was happening. And again, we're just making some basic reflections on Genesis 1, not an exposition. You can go listen to Tom's great job on that from a few years ago. Reflection number three, God created the cosmos or the world out of nothing, ex nihilo, out of nothing. There was nothingness. There was not space. There was no space. There was no time. There was nothing in the world. There was no dust to do something with. It was out of nothing. Psalm 90 verse 4 puts it this way. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before creation, we really can't even use the word before because there was no time. God created time uh, simultaneously as we would understand it, but God existed and then He would give birth in this metaphor from Psalm 90 to the world. He created it out of nothing. We see His power as we read those words six times, and it was so. And it was so. And it was so. And it was so. God said, let there be light, and it was so. Let there be this, and it was so. And so forth and so on. We see His divine power. Six times, and for every verse we see it, but we can magnify His power. We can exalt Him as the Creator God. He spoke the world into existence. Psalm 89.11, a favorite. The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all it contains, you founded them. He founded them. So when you're driving or when you wake up in the morning and you hear those birds, when you look up at the, the blue sky or the gray clouds or the rain falling down, you can know that God made it. And He continues to sustain it as well. Adore your God. Number four. God created the cosmos or the world in six days. In six days. He could have created it in a second, but He created the world in six days. And we continue to have these days, weeks, months, and years because God created the world in six days and on the seventh day He rested. We read the words over and over, there was evening and there was morning. 
and it mentions one day, a second day, a third day, a fourth day, a fifth day, and a sixth day. God created the world in six days. And when the Hebrew readers received the Pentateuch, and when they heard the words, there was evening and there was morning. Well, it's very clear that it was a 24-hour day. It's the regular word um, day, I believe, yom. Uh, We know yom kippur, the day of yom. They would receive it as one day, evening and morning. There was one day. God did this on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, and day six. Why would we take it any other way? That's the clear um, teaching of Genesis chapter one. Reflection number five. Powerfully, God created man in his own image. Man is created last, yet he is created in the image of God. Maybe we could say the apex of creation was man. God created man in his own image. Thus, we derive our value from bearing the image of God. That's why murder is wrong, fundamentally because it's an attack on the image of God. That's why abortion is wrong, because that tiny baby is in the image of God. That's why taking a life, and I'm not not speaking of warfare or punishment or self-defense, but murder is sin because it's an attack on the image of God. Humanity has value because we're made in the image of God. Genesis 9-6 put it this way, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for he, for in the image of God he made man. We have a derived value, and that derivation is monumental. Have we taken a moment to reflect that we're made in the image of God? As Christians, we're being remade in the image of Christ because the fall has ruined everything, but nonetheless, we're still image bearers. And we should see other humans in that way. We bear the image of God. And as I was reflecting when Tom preached through this passage, there's many implications from this truth that we're created in God's image But it also obliterates racism. It also destroys prejudice based on color uh, or even based on gender. Biblically, male and female were created in the image of God. All humanity is at the same level. There's not a superior race. We're one race and one people in Adam and Eve. There's many reasons racism is wrong, but one of them is an attack on God who created man in his own image. We are one created in the image of the triune God. We ought to even more love our neighbor as ourselves. We ought to love people and appreciate and care for them partly because they're made in the image of God. Number six, reflection number six, God created him, 
Male and female, he created them. God created male and female nests. And I'm sure, like me, you are utterly grieved that such a basic truth, such a clear teaching from the Word of God, and even the light of nature reveals male and female. It's very clear. There's no exception. There's no way around it. God made us male and female. And it's beautiful how Jesus and the apostles go back to creation, which is, which is our argument. God made us male and female. Whether marriage or our gender identity is found in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus, speaking of marriage, said in Matthew 19.4, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. Getting into the next chapter about why Eve was made and how God brought them together. But clearly, God made us male and female. And this today, unfortunately, is one of those doctrines of a rising or falling church. If we do not understand the basics of Genesis 1, we have fallen so far. And this fundamental truth uh, it's it's we shake our heads in disbelief that people could be teaching children that this is up for grab, grabs may god destroy it and rescue people and show them who they really are because to know that god made us in his image and male and female is the most liberating thing it's freeing to know who you are how god created us To suggest that there's a third option or you can blur the lines is an attack on the Creator Himself. What a blessing that God clearly tells us who we are in terms of male and female. And as the men were discussing yesterday in the book, The Complete Husband, he calls the Bible the owner's manual. And this is a manual to understand who we are how God created us in his image. And each of these points could be a message, but just giving a review. Number seven, God's creation was very good. All those times, six times, we hear that it was very good. Morally good and aesthetically good. Both. God saw that the light was good. God saw that the seas were good. He saw that the trees were good. He saw that the light being separated from the darkness was good. Every winged bird that God made was good. The cattle on the ground was good. And then that uh, beautiful verse at the end, verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was very good. Now, we're speaking before the fall. The fall has not entered this study or this discussion, and it's hard for us to imagine. Actually, we we have a glimpse of the beauty of creation, and we stand amazed as we look around. But this is after the fall, and the creation is still amazing. So we can let our minds wander a bit and consider how it must have been before the fall. Uh, it's, it's beyond comprehension in one sense, but yet we have 
the beauty that we see yet today after the fall, and it, and we are stunned by it. Thinking of all that God made and it was good, we mentioned last Sunday in our study on discernment, 1 Timothy 4, uh, verses 3 through 5. Listen to these words and see how they connect to Genesis 1. Uh, Paul was referring to those that had some heretical ideas who forbid marriage, which goes back to Genesis 1 and 2, and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. And it's speaking here of food, but and it's interesting, this phrase, for everything created by God is good. It seems Paul may have been thinking of Genesis 1 because in 1 and 2 he mentions the marriage, he mentions all that God has created to give us. Now, if you noted at the end, it, it seems they were, they were vegetarians uh, before the fall, yet um, here in, in 1 Timothy, God gives us this truth that everything is given by God uh, and we're not, as Tom mentioned, some groups or cults uh, believe that abstaining from certain foods is godliness. If you're a vegetarian, no offense. It's great food. It's a blessing from God. But this point, everything created by God is good, referring to food, but even broadly, His creation it is good. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. And again, as we see it, we adore God. Number eight, our eighth reflection on Genesis 1. By faith, we understand that God created the world. By faith. By faith. Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. And so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. That's why uh, we use the word presuppositionalism. It's by faith that we understand that God made the world. We will never argue someone into accepting God as creator. They must have faith. We can explain. We can talk. We can reason. We are reasonable being created in the image of God. But it's by faith we understand that the world was created. That's why I mentioned at the beginning, Genesis is not a, a defense of creation. It's not a, an argument. It's a statement of fact received by faith. By faith we understand Believing is seeing, right? Believing is seeing. That's why the world rejects these truths. They don't have faith. When you have faith, by the grace of God, you receive the truth of the Bible, particularly Genesis chapter 1. Without faith, we cannot understand creation or the God of creation. We need faith. It's a requirement. Reflection number nine. 
In light of creation, we should worship God as our creator. In light of creation, and you'll see it all through the Psalms and throughout the Bible, that when you study creation, your response should be to worship God. And we've said it here from the pulpit in many ways that when you go down here to the edge of Stillicum and maybe you watch the sunset or you look out at the at the Olympic mountains that have some snow caps and you see the Puget Sound and these islands, I mean, we live in a beautiful place. But we can't just say with the guy next to us, the unbeliever, merely, that's beautiful. Well, yes, it is beautiful, but that's what God made. Your God, my God, our God made that and therefore we must worship Him. Psalm 146, 1 and 6, Praise the Lord who made heaven and earth the sea, and all that is in them. Praise the Lord. Our response shouldn't be simply, wow, that's a great sunset. Wow, that sunrise was amazing. No, it should be, praise the Lord. He made it. He is the divine architect. He is the artist. And the world is His creation. When you see the sun, the clouds, the rain, the moon, the stars the trees, the shrubs, the birds, the people, all the creatures, even down to the lowliest slugs. Maybe you'd argue that they're a result of the fall because they eat our vegetation. But all of these creatures, great and small, God made them. And we we sing all creatures of our God and King. You know, we, we call all creation to worship God because He made it. It's His. And it's exciting and it's glorious because we worship God. Psalm 19.1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. When we look up, we see the glory of God revealed. Did you? It says He made the sun and the moon and He said, He made the stars also. I mean, there's how many billions of stars? And we just have those uh, five words, He made the stars also. Just as almost an afterthought. That's why it's not a defense of creation. It's a statement of fact that God created the, the heavens, the heaven and the earth, and it tells of His glory. And their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. So when we see those things, we see it's a work of God's hands and we praise Him. Do we take a moment to think that God gave us eyes to see His creation? Even our eyes are a creation. Our noses to smell, our mouths to speak, our hands to touch, our feet to walk, and even our arms to hug people that are made in the image of God. We should praise Him for all of that. And sometimes we get disgusted with humanity over the sin among our fellow humans, and yet at the same time, they are created in the image of God. When we see a fellow human, the apex of creation, we ought to praise God. That enables us to love them as image bearers. In light of creation, we should worship the Creator. Adore Him. Trust in Him. Exalt Him. We're going to hear more about that in the next hour in Psalm 30. Praise Him. And finally, the last reflection is this. There is a serious warning to those who reject 
the Creator, or who reject God's creation, or who worship the creation. Romans chapter 1, of course, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and divine nature, having been clearly seen. The heavens clearly state that there is a God. Being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. As we mentioned just a week ago or so, seeing creation cannot save you, but it can damn you if you don't have faith in Christ. So creation is a matter of salvation, to believe it or not, to believe in God, the God of creation. The Bible calls you to believe in the God of creation. If you don't, turn from your sins, believe in Him, believe in Christ to be saved. It's a salvific doctrine. It's a very important doctrine. Again, that's why it's chapter 4 in our confession. The doctrine of creation is not merely to be debated about. We, we may, in one sense, do that, but it's the God of creation that is to be feared, loved, and worshipped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The doctrine of creation should give us encouragement. That's my God. I can trust Him. It's the same God who created the heavens and the earth. He made them, and He is our help. Our Lord Jesus Christ, all things were made for Him and through Him. The Spirit of God hovered over the earth. The Father was intimately involved in creation. Our triune God is our God. And so we can worship Him, adore Him, and trust Him. So, I know this, these are things that you already know, that we are, we already believe these truths. But isn't it good to remind ourselves of who our Creator is? To, uh, maybe you started your read through the Bible in a year, or maybe you're like me and it takes a few years to read through the entire Bible. I'm sure we've all read Genesis 1 many times, but it's always good to go back and reflect on the fundamental doctrines of the Bible, like for Maple Creek, back to the basics. We need a review now and again of these truths about God. Let's just summarize them. Genesis 1.1 is critical. It presupposes God as the Creator. Creation was the work of the triune God. God made the world out of nothing. God created the world in six days. God created man in His own image. God created male and female nests. God's creation was very good. By faith we understand the God of creation. In light of creation we should worship the Creator and then receive that warning if you do not believe or you're tempted. And the devil has attacked these truths from day one and he has not stopped. And unbelief will remove this chapter from our Bible. But we must, by faith, lay hold of God, our God, the Creator. Do you have any comments or questions? We've got some time here at the end. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts or if you have any questions that we can seek to tackle. Did I hear one? Okay. Oh, yes, brother. I have not been to that. I've heard that it's an amazing place. I hope to go one day. What state is that in? Kentucky. So if you go to Kentucky to see a family that used to come here, you can go there as well. Okay. Hmm. Well, they've done a great job, and we try to have some of the copies of Acts and Facts and other literature, because we can educate ourselves to have answers, but I, I definitely am of the presuppositional persuasion that we, by faith, we understand. Yes, seek to explain to people and help them, um, and I'm not disagreeing with an, with answers in Genesis or Acts and Facts. Yes. Well, definitely unbelief would, but there's some believers who would be more evidentialist. Uh, and there can be a combination, and it's not necessarily a battle worth taking on. But I love how Genesis begins. It's not a, an, an argument. It's a statement of fact to be believed. Yes. Thank you. Yes, Kum. The food. Yes, we like food. Somebody. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And the New Testament deals with that, food sacrifice to idols. Um, definitely, as a believer, we wouldn't want to go to a, 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 a worship service or a false religion event, uh, per se. Um, you know, it could get blurred lines because there's, you know, maybe, you know, Chinese New Year rice cakes, you know, for example. Um, I'm sure Tom could tell us in India there's lots of foods, and my wife being from Egypt, during Ramadan there will be foods that they may share with their neighbors and so forth. If someone gives, if someone brought some food to your house that they had in their false worship, I think we're at liberty to eat it based on the New Testament. If you're invited to come to their temple, a Buddhist temple, a Hindu temple, a mosque or something, 
to embrace the food, that would be a totally different topic, entering into the false worship or, or whatever false philosophy it may be. So um, I think we need wisdom because you know maybe they had food at their event and they offer it to you. I don't see anything in Scripture uh, that says we can't eat that. Um, but we should have wisdom if, if they say, if you eat this, you know, you, you'll get to know the true God. And you might say, well, I know the true God. No, thank you. Here's some food I'll give you. Um, but I think as a general rule, if someone gives us something to eat, we can receive it. Um, and and you know, hopefully we can tell them about the true God. But attending a, a false worship ceremony, I would say uh, that would be wrong. Again, there could be cases where you got to determine what's really going on here. Um, because if we go out to, you know, you could extrapolate, if you go out to a restaurant that is owned by non-Christians, they're using the money for non-Christian things, maybe very bad things, even the grocery stores we go to, if we say we can't touch it, we can't eat it because it was used in false ways or provides false uh, uh, wicked profitability, before long, we'll have to live in a, in a cabin uh, down by the water and catch our own fish. Uh, so we, ha- we need wisdom. And I think the Bible is very clear. And even the verses we read say God has given us all things to enjoy. Um, and, and so we can do that as long as it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Does that help? Yes. Anything else? Good questions. Okay, let's conclude with prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, that you revealed yourself to us as our Creator, and even more importantly, our Savior. You saved us. You washed us in the blood of the Lamb. You made us to be new creations in Christ by the power of your Spirit. And you are continuing to renew us. And Lord God, we exalt you and we look forward to one day a new heavens and a new earth, which will be even more glorious with all your redeemed people worshiping the Lamb. Father, may we embrace the truths found in Genesis 1 and all of your word. May we adore you. May we rely upon you. You are our help. You made heaven and earth. Thank you for your glory. And we worship you even now for Christ's sake. Amen.